irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. Hello to all of you on Facebook Live. It's great to be seen today on this beautiful day in sunny Los Angeles. I want to thank you for subscribing to this podcast and sharing it on the various platforms like YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I would appreciate if you keep doing that. And reach out to me. I've been getting emails recently to book new guests, and I love hearing from you as my listener. You're welcome to email me, lisa at nolatherapy.com. I'm taking new clients for intuitive psychotherapy sessions by phone, FaceTime, Skype, in person in New Orleans or Los Angeles, and also on location. I do come to you in both of those cities. You can find more about my business at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And keep following me on social media, on YouTube, on Facebook, and Instagram. I'm under NOLA Therapy. And If you feel moved to contribute to my podcast as a patron, I welcome that support. Patreon is a wonderful platform for creatives like myself where you can give as little as a dollar a month to help us do what we love, which for me is bringing you messages of health and well-being, spiritual development, and talking with different leaders in the business communities, psycho-spiritual, astrological communities. And today I have a great guest, so I want to get to her. Also, I want to offer you a free audiobook download from Audible, who is my sponsor. You can check out more about that by going to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. My guest today is really a gem of a person. She is recognized as one of the century's leading role models. She is a humanitarian giving back to her community including 37 years serving at the Fred Jordan Mission in downtown Los Angeles on Skid Row, serving the homeless population. And moments we're going to be with Ms. Barbara Walden. She created the first cosmetic line for African-American women in the, U- in the United States 56 years ago. April of this year is her 56-year anniversary in business. She is the founder and president of Barbara Walden Cosmetics. She's been featured in Time Magazine, Vogue Magazine, Cosmopolitan Magazine. She's been awarded by the City of Los Angeles and the California Legislature Assembly, as well as the California State Assembly, for her dedication to community service and humanitarianism. Ms. Barbara has also had a career in Hollywood starting from the 1960s, where she was in The Private Lives of Adam and Eve, directed by Mickey Rooney back in 1960. She's also acted and had roles in The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. She was in What a Way to Go with Paul Newman and Shirley MacLaine, Global Affair with Bob Hope, Night of the Quarter Moon with Nat King Cole, 
and in Disney's Freaky Friday with Jodie Foster. What a rich history this woman has. And I welcome you today to the show, Ms. Barbara Walden. How are you? Fine. Fine. Thank you. You're so welcome. Where do you want to begin your story today with us? Oh, well, you're so great. You've told my story. Well, you know, let's begin... You know, Thanksgiving down at the Fred Jordan Mission is where I met you. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's one of my one of my dear, dear projects. I've been doing that for almost 30 years. And we not only do the, um, the, the um, Thanksgiving, we do the Christmas party. And we, we're doing the Mother's Day makeovers where we take the mothers off Skid Row, bring them in, shampoo their hair. They take a shower, makeup, um, massage. They got the works. But um, since they start remodeling it, we have not been doing that for the last two years. But we do an awful lot down on Skid Row. We feed the people every day. And um, that's where I'd like to begin because that is my second home, the Fred Jordan Mission. That's beautiful. How did you connect with the Fred Jordan Mission? Well, my mother passed away. And um, I became a born-again Christian. And um, I was invited to do the Christmas show. So there was a show on uh, with Jan and Paul Crouch. And they had invited me uh, through my PR firm to come and do their show. And I went to do the television show. And I taped my show, was taped first. And Willie Jordan and the late Fred Jordan was there. They were going to be taping another show after me. And when I was through, they came over. And they said, what a testimony. That is just great. You know, we run and operate uh, a center down on Skid Row, and we would love to have you come down and visit uh, with us. And I said yes, so they gave me their card, and uh, my PR girl called, and I went down to visit, and that's how I got started. I fell in love with it, and that's that's how I got started from the from the um, television show that we were doing and being invited down on Skid Row, and that I've been going ever since. You have a rich history of giving back as evident by the accolades and recognition that you've received received from from major government bodies in California. I was curious how you got here from New Jersey, where I believe you were born. Yeah, I was born in, in a little town called Camden, New Jersey, and we always say it's famous for the home of Camel Soup and Jersey <laughs> Joe Walcott. It's right out of <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> that's yes, cute that's where i was born and, and you know and i came out here you know uh to um as a career you know in hollywood i was a professional dancer and you know there were just no roles out here you know for um for blacks and i refused to do um derogatory roles i turned down i got the name of being called the um the um unknown because i refused to do anything that was not uplifting or, you know, or for the black woman. And I turned down a lot of roles. In fact, I turned down two roles with both with Elizabeth Taylor. One was round, was, uh, um, uh, round tree country. And, um, it was done at MGM and I'll never forget. Um, I went out to do that for the interview Well, I had the interview and I had the job already. And it was a day that they were going to start shooting. And when I saw that script and saw the dialogue, uh, yes, I'm awesome and no, some, I said, I can't do this. I don't, I've never in my life heard anyone speak this way and I just cannot do it. I refuse to do it. Many 
months later on, you know, Montgomery Cliff was in a very bad automobile accident coming down Coldwater Canyon. So the film was on hold. And I was at a dinner party and met the young lady, the black actress who accepted the role. And she said, oh, I just want to thank you for turning down that role because, you see, every week I go out to MGM and pick up my check uh, because, you know, um, Montgomery Cliff, he was in an accident and we're on hold. I looked at her and I said, you know, darling, there are certain things, some things we just don't do for money. Mm. And I said, I just refuse to do it. Well, my, I had a very good agent. And um, my agent supported me to no end on it. But then somewhere down the line, we split it up and I'd gotten another agent. And she heard about me because there was articles uh, yeah. written about me turning down this major role and everything. And um, she said uh, the next thing was uh, a film with Elizabeth Taylor, um, Cleopatra. And she said, now, look. I'm going to take you out to the studio. They really want you because I've shown them, you know, pictures of you and everything, and they really want you, and they want you out there at 20th Century Fox. Now, don't go out there and say anything about not wanting to do the role. And I, I sucked myself out because I said, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. Going to be in Europe for all those months and all of this, I'm going to do this role regardless. You know, but there was something about me. I'll never forget the day I went out at 20th Century Fox. And the... um producer, director, they asked me to take off my shoes to see how tall I was over this material. And they asked me to turn around. And as I turned around, something hit me. Hmm. And I turned and I said, you know something? I don't think you know your history. You know, Cleopatra was a brown woman. Mm. And I said, if I was going to Europe to play Cleopatra, I would accept. But I'm not going to be a handmaid to Elizabeth Taylor. That is the God's truth. Yes. They couldn't believe it. The agent jumped up and she grabbed me. She says, do you know what you're saying? I said, no, this is not for me. I said, I'm not going to. She walked me outside and said, you find your way back home. I'm not going to even drive you. I can't believe what you're putting me through. Well, it made headlines. The LA Times, they all wrote about what I did. This unknown uh, um, actress and all that. A young lady by the name of Maggie Hathaway was very famous. She was the one that got blacks in the golf course. In fact, one of the golf course at 96th Street is named after Maggie Hathaway. She saw the article. She got a hold of me. I don't know how she found me. And she said, look, I am so proud of what you have done. Yes. She said, we need to have some support. She said, let's form a chapter for the NAACP, and let's form a Hollywood chapter. We did not have it. That's awesome. I was living in a house in Beverly Hills. We got together, Sammy Davis, junior stepmother, Rita Davis. We all got together on it. There was an attorney, several of Ben Wyatt, and all these people. Uh, we got together. They met at my house and my den in Beverly Hills. We formed the NAACP chapter, the Hollywood branch. And we had to have uh, 35 names in order to get a charter. We went around, and I'm going to tell this because I've told it before now, and it's too late. They can't get mad at me now. Yes. My next-door neighbor was Richard Blackwell, the designer. He signed. I got my neighbors on Railroad Drive to sign their names. Maggie, Maggie was living in Hollywood Hills. She got her neighbors. We got the people to sign because there were not enough blacks in Beverly Hills at that time to sign to get the chapter, to, to get the charter. We got the charter, and that's how the Beverly Hills Hollywood Ranch 
started in my den, and it went on to be very successful. In fact, they gave me the first award to a female, and I got the very first award from them uh, a year later. We had no money. We were, we had a meeting at, and we chose one of the hotels, the Beverly Hills Hotel, where to collect money because we ran out of coffee. And, I mean, <laughs> these are the things we went through at that time, you know, to get blacks going into Hollywood to work. Yes. Um, many, many years later, many years later, I was, I was in a beauty contest. Uh, my agent, and then I had another agent who said, I would love to take you out to having a contest in, out at um, the studio, and they're interviewing beautiful young women, and I would love to take you, but Barbara, I don't want you to be hurt because you know they're not going to have a black person, you know, there. Well, they'll call us Negroes of color. I said to him, if you don't take me, I'll go myself. His name was Marty Baum. I said, I have a great figure. My figure is as good as any of those other girls are going to be there. I think I'm just as pretty, and I will go on my own. He said, in that case, I'll take you. Yes. We went out. They had 350 young women there. They were choosing uh, Satan's Seven Sinners for Mickey Rooney. It was called The Private Lives of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. I was chosen as one of the Seven Sinners. I could not believe it. That day, that evening, headlines all over the television. Negro girl win beauty contest. Color girl win beauty contest. Associated Press, a whole big article on me. Negro girl win beauty contest. And that was really something. But the start of the movie, you know, they uh, were trying to keep me out of scenes. And I would say, look, I'll just call the press. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Playboy sent out their photographer to photograph the seven sinners. When they got there, when the photographer got there, they called us out and lined us all up. And the photographer said, well, who is she? And they said, well, that's Barbara Walden. She's one of the seven sinners. He said, this is for Playboy. I can't photograph a colored girl in this. I'll never forget, we became friends for the rest of my life. Mickey Rooney yes. said, I have seven sinners not six. And if you can't photograph Barbara Walden, you can't photograph anyone. Uh, I'll never forget Al Buckley for the producer and, and Red Doff was director. They said, no, you cannot. He picked up his belongings and left because he would not photograph me for Playboy magazine. And look what happened to Playboy. Look at the time, you know, women and center pages then, but they turned me down and that's all those years. So it wasn't easy. It was a fight. Mm. And then came the time of not having makeup. Yes. That's what really happened. I was doing a film with Paul Newman out at 20th Century Fox and I was playing the part of an uh, artist living in Paris and they had no makeup. They drew a white line down the center of my nose. Mm. And when they were running the rushes, the director, Arthur Jacobs, producer rather, said, she looks blue. That's mm -hmm. not like Barbara Walden. She doesn't look that way in person. So they said, well, you know, we can't find any makeup for her. And they, and they said, well, he said, well, clean her face. No makeup. So mm -hmm. I did the film. They cleaned my face. Don't make up. No makeup. My mother, who taught me when I was 10 years old, because I was the darkest one in my family, and my brother used to call me black. My mother took me in front of the mirror and said, yes, you are 
a little black girl, and you are my little black girl, and you are my beautiful black girl, and I want you to be very proud who you are. You are black, and you are beautiful. From that day forward, my brother had to call me another name because he called me black. I went like the queen bee. I put my shoulders up and strutted because I grew up being very proud of being black because my mother taught me how to be proud of who I am. So I called my mother and she said, darling, the world doesn't owe you a living. If you want to do something, do it for yourself. You know, nobody's going to give you any makeup. You get out and you do your own thing. Mm. And I remember the young lady at the, at, when I was on the movie set uh, working with uh, Mickey Rooney, uh, Private Lives of Adam and Eve, she had mentioned that her father was a chemist. And oh, I called okay. her and she said, I'll take you to see my father. And she took me to see her father, and the first thing he designed for me was my hair problem, was a product for my hair, which we later introduced, and we call it free and set. It is unbelievable on the hair. And the next thing he did, we worked on the makeup. And he designed, we worked months and months and months and months, working on the different colors of the different tones. Finally, he said, you know what? You come in so many colors. We'd have to make hundreds of colors. Let's just work with the tones that are in the skin. And we found out in the black woman's skin, we have all tones. We do not have, no matter how light our skin is, we do not have a pink undertone. So we left out all pinks and we did four, 10 shades to cover everybody and we can reach every single tone there is. And that's how we got started. I was sending the product off to friends who were singing in Europe. And finally I thought, this is silly. Why don't I, you know, put it on the market. Yes. I went to, I called on Max Faxter. I called on all the big companies. They turned it down. Finally, we decide with my friend, Dan Rayburn, to do it ourselves. And that's how I got started. From door to door, selling the product in, at 103rd Street and Watts with makeup artists, people that I trained to ring doorbells and to sell it from door to door. You are a living example of women's empowerment. From the beginning, when you turned down the roles with Elizabeth Taylor, how old were you then, Ms. Barbara? I was, I was like, uh, well, I'll tell you, because um, I had gone through uh, college, and um, I did, my parents did not want me to come to California. I was brought out here the first time to, do, to play the part of the uh, Ethiopian princess in Ten Commandments, and I didn't get that because I was too short for Woody Stroh. And so I went back, and I insisted on coming back. So I was then, at that particular time, I just was in my early 20s. Okay. Okay. Wow. No later than twenty-three when I turned down the role uh, with with Elizabeth Taylor. Such a powerhouse! You had a fire within you that you were not going to allow it to be put out, in my sense, and you have not. No. I, well, you know, I not only took that, the feeling that I had, it wasn't easy going into the cosmetics business. In fact, I have Tammy here with me, who's my uh, public relations person. And Tammy can certainly, I'll bring her to tell you, it was not easy. You know, the department stores, when I start calling, first of all, the first major store that I, that I really opened this line in was at, can you believe it? I went for the top. I opened this line in, in um, 
in L.A. And what and and and, and what happened was is that I wanted the line to go, and it had to go, and it had to be first class. It could not go in second class. It had to be first class. And when the line went in, it went in first class. And it went in all over the country where I sold my line. It had to go first class or it wouldn't go in. I turned down a store in John in Philadelphia called John Wanamakers. They came to see I was doing a, doing a promotion in Strawbridge and Clothier, and they got saw all these crowds of people gathered around. So the divisional came down and he said, we would like to have you in John Wanamakers. And I said, that would be great because John Wanamakers was the number one store. I said, that would be great. I would love it. He said, but I want to explain to you, Miss Walden, that in John Wanamaker's, you won't be on the main floor where you are here. We'll have you on our second level. Okay. So I said, your second level? Is that your basement? He said, well, we don't call it our basement. Uh -huh. We just call it our second level. I said, unless I'm on your main level. I will not go into Wanamaker's. I turned it down. He said to me, well, as long as I'm the divisional at Wanamaker's, you'll never come in. I said, that's fine with me. I don't ever want to come in. And so I would turn down major stores because mm -hmm. I would not go unless I got right with S.C. Lauder, right where the main line was. Because I said, the black woman has waited too long to get makeup for herself. So why should I put her my line on the lower level? She's going to be right here. And it was a big fight, but I got it where I wanted to get it. And that's what happened. What stores have you... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You've been in in the early oh, days. Oh, God, I've been in, too. I've sold every major store uh, from um, Marsha Fields, Carson Perry Scott, the Broadway, uh, uh, well, now the Macy's, the Macy's stores. Um, I sold every major store across the country. That's wonderful. You name them, I've been there. Every single major store, I sold them across the country. And I was there for 40, almost 47 years. I pulled it out. I was there for 46 years. And I pulled the line out myself because I wanted to put the, the makeup back in the community. I figured that I'd done an excellent job. I made a lot of money for them, and I sold a lot. And so when I wanted to, um, with Yvonne Bird, we talked about how I could help the black women that were on the welfare program found a job because, you see, they had said if they didn't get a job or go to school, they would not be able to get the welfare check. So I said, well, I cannot hire all of these women, you know, here in Los Angeles. So there was an office called the Gaines office. She called them. They called me, and they said, look, let's work together on what we could do. We worked on having carts in all the malls to give these women a chance to get to make money. 
and I would give them the product. Jay would, we would train them. They would buy product for them to get them to be able to earn money. We had our first grand opening at the ball at Baldwin Hills. It was a grand opening. Uh, TV channel were there, channel four, they all covered it. The first thing they heard about what I was doing, this was the head of, of now um, the department store. They called me up and said, you have to close the mall, close the cart because you're now in competition with the stores. Wow. I said, no. I'm re- I'm putting the dollars back in the community. Mm-hmm. I said, if you would just help me with my charity and give me a half a percent of all the money that I make in your stores, I wouldn't have to do this. I could just help them out. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, for one year, they pounded on me, closed down the the the, uh, the the cart. You're hurting the business. Well, I prayed hard mm-hmm. and I prayed for a long, long time on it that. I know what I want to do. I want to put these dollars back in that black community because it has been good for me. I made money, and I made it because the women out there, the black, were buying my product, promoting me, and I have to do something. Oh, and by the way, um, I then expanded the line to all nationalities. I spent a year and a half working. So on my brochure, there's four faces, Asian, black, white, and I'm on it. And my makeup was the official makeup for the 1984 Summer Olympics here in Los Angeles. That was the official makeup for it. Everybody else paid thousands of dollars to get their name on it. I didn't pay anything. They invited me to do it. And that was my, because I sell my makeup all around. I sell it with Sweden and Paris. We sold all around. Yes. So I didn't, I did not want to do it. I Magnus was one of the first stores. I, I Magnus, um, they called me and said they heard about the line and for me to bring the, in it to see. I went in to see, and Van Veneri was the, um, she was the merchant division from, for iMagnus on Wilshire. She said, who makes your makeup? And I said, I make it. My chemist, we make it. Yes. She said, no, who make this cleansing cream? I said, I make it. My chemist. She said, now, if you want to come into iMagnus, you've got to tell me the truth. Now, you know you don't make this cleansing cream. I said, yes, we make it. She said, I don't believe it. You're in iMagnus. I opened iMagnus with the first major store in California, and I was there for three months. And, you know, in that store, two, maybe two or three black ladies walked through a store a day. And I went to her, and I said, you know what, Miss Vandenera, I appreciate you bringing me in here. But you know what? I need to go where my clients sure. Yes. And so she was a little upset, but then she said, I understand. And that's when I went into Broadway, May Company, and those, and went into, and I start expanding into those stores. But Magnus was the first one. I opened iMagnus in LA, iMagnus in the Bay Area, iMagnus all over. I opened the Joseph Magnus stores. I sold, when I say the major, I sold the major. When I opened the line in Bloomingdale's in New York, First, I was at Macy's, and they were going to bring the line into Macy's. Bloomingdale's called and said, we would like to have Barbara Walden, but we would like to get her before Macy's because we are the um, number one um, store here. And, you know, we're on Fifth Avenue, and if we could bring her in Fifth Avenue first, it would be great for you, Macy's. So they allowed me, and I opened them then. So, um, And Tammy can tell you what it's still, you know, it was a struggle. It was not easy no, because I- we had to convince 
the black ladies, uh, some of the black ladies who, you know, wanted to wear the white makeup. And we had to show them how this makeup looked on them. Uh, you know, we, I had a problem with the black men up in the Bay Area. Um, they, I was doing a promotion at iMagnus, and they came in, and they were the Black Panthers. And, and they said, how dare you want to make our women look white? Mm -hmm. uh, and they were very upset, so they called security, and I said, let me handle these men. I can handle them. Yes. I said, look at me. Do I look white? Look at these women. Do we look white? We are just bringing out our special beauty that we have. We're bringing out the beauty that we already have. Do we look white? So they looked around, and they said, no. They grabbed me, put me on their shoulder, and invited me to that special block. was that next Saturday, <laughs> that Saturday morning. That was on a Friday. So, you see, it was not easy. And mm -hmm. Tammy can tell you, we still have some problems now, you know, but uh, we don't let those things interfere with us. This is Tammy, my PR girl. And say hello to Tammy for a minute. Sure. Tammy, welcome to the show. How are you today? I, I, it's wonderful to meet you. You too. Thank you for being a guest with Ms. Barbara. What can you keep telling us about this magnificent story of women's empowerment that that happened and needs to happen and where, whatever you would like to share? Well, first of all, I have to say the first time I saw her was at the um, May Company at what is now Culver City. Um, I was back, Fox was back then. And I remember walking up to the counter, and she was dressed to the nines, hat, heels, everything. And I just sat, I just stood there, and I thought, this lady has gotten our makeup, black women, into this department store because that, to this day, no makeup for me works as well as hers. And I've tried a few of them, I yes. have to say. And she knows because when she pulled out of the department store, I went online and found her. Because I couldn't, I refused to wear any other makeup and still do. I actually, it's nothing but Barbara Walden. But I remember standing there and thinking and wondering, how did she get past, uh, fight the odds and beat the odds yes. and get her makeup into these stores? And I, let me tell you something, like she said, I always noticed of all the department stores I went into, the Broadway main company, Robinson's May, she was always at the front of the store. I never had a problem looking for her makeup. She was always up front. If she wasn't up front, I just turned around and went because I knew her makeup wasn't in the department store. Yes. She always made sure that we never had a problem looking for her makeup. So I know she's fought, she's fought to have those um, that position in the stores because that's what, when you walk in and you're up front, those are the prime areas. I used to work at a department store. And if you're up there, you have, you are really, um, up there as far as sales and yes. they know they only put the, the people who the sell the and front. the companies who sell so i know for her the black woman to get our makeup there in the 60s and the 70s she fought she fought uh, those, those corporations to do that and so i appreciate her every day because every time i put on her makeup i know there's somebody um that has put the time and effort to make sure that i look um my best Cause like there's no makeup. I've not tried them all. There's no makeup that covers that that makes me look as good as hers. And she knows because she remembers that I found her to become a distributor. So I never am out of her makeup. That's awesome. So, yeah, you know. So, but I've always I'm I'm still to this day, and I've worked with her for a few years now. But I'm still I'm still in awe of her, and I probably always I, I know I will always always will be. 
what is the future of Barbara Walden Cosmetics? Where do you all, what do you want to do now moving forward? Well, what we're doing now to move forward, well, you know, I have a program and it's for the seniors. And, and but my, but we're also reaching the younger generation. We're like passing it on now and we're making colors for the younger ones. And, and, but, and we have seniors. I have a senior, um, in, uh, the, uh, Cleveland, Ohio called, her name is Miss Georgia Dixon. She's uh, be 101 years old in April. Um, I met her when she came out to California to visit her daughter at 95. Um, she said, do whatever you want to do, but don't ever change because I'll leave, use it to the day I die. I have clients, you know, I'm eight. 88 years old. Yes. I'll be 89. I'll be 89 years old um, in September this year, God spares me. And so, you know, my clients are up in age, but I also have the younger generation that we're reaching out for. And, um, you know, we have like, believe me when I tell you, we have three and four generations of Barbara Walden. Um, so um, I did an event at um, the dance studio, Lula, Washington. She invited me because she wanted me to come in and see for the, the younger generation. And see, these are the mothers in their 30s, and they bring their kids to her studio. So she had an evening with Barbara Walden. And I was amazed when I walked in with my um with my with my makeup artist, these women turning around saying, "Oh, Miss Walden, I grew up on your makeup. I know about your hair product. I know about this. I mean, they all know about it because they all grew up with it. So what we're doing now, we're really working with our younger generation, yes. and we're working with our seniors. I have a program called Aging More Beautiful. I travel around the country and I put on events and these events where we have at the senior places where we have lunches, we bring them in, we have spa days, we do makeup, we do hair, we do nails, we do masseuse, we do a whole work. In fact, I'm getting one to do one on the, uh, I think it's the uh, 6th of um, April for Mother's Day for the Negro Council Women. And uh, we're going to be doing it, but we're going to be doing it at one of the uh, senior places. And that's what I do now. I travel all over just to work with our seniors and to keep our seniors looking more beautiful. And, you know, I tell them, I go into some of these senior places and they're, they don't even want to move. I was at one in the valley, a Jewish center place out in the valley. And they said, Miss Walden, don't go near that room. She's a mean woman. Mm. She doesn't talk to anybody. She won't come out. Don't go near them. So we set it all up in the auditorium, <laughs> and um, I disappeared. So they asked, where's Miss Walden? So the girl said, the makeup artist said, she's somewhere around here. I went into the room, yes. and I walked in, and I said, hello. She said, what are you doing in here? I said, oh, I just want to see this beautiful woman in this bed. <laughs> I said, with such gorgeous hair. Oh, it's such a pretty face. You know I'm not pretty. I said, oh, yes, you are pretty. I said, wait a minute here. Let me see. Let me put some lipstick on these pretty lips. So I reached and got to put the lipstick on and got a mirror. Well, don't do one. Do both of my lips. <laughs> I did both of the lips. She said, don't stop now. Do the rest of me. I said, no, I have to get you out of the bed and take you into the auditorium where we are. You know I can't get out of this bed. All of a sudden, this gentleman walked in and said, Miss Walden, why are you in here? We asked you not to come in here. Mm. Why are you in here? She said, you get out of here and, and get me somebody to get me out of this bed. The man, he almost passed out. I he bet. said, they got her out of the bed. He said, Miss Walden, when you get in there, be careful because she's mean. She said, and I'm going to be first. 
She said, don't let her be first. Don't let her first. I said, don't worry, I have her. They rolled out in the wheelchair. I took two ladies, when her on one side, another lady on the other side. And what I did, I start working on both of them. I work on her face and work on that face. And as they could not believe it for the first time that they got that woman to know. And she looked in that mirror. She says, I am beautiful. They couldn't believe it. And they said, this has never happened. She's the meanest woman here. Change the whole personality. So, see, I know what this will do for you. Yes. Put a little lipstick on, and it changes your whole personality. And so that's why I work with the seniors. I want to get them going, and I don't want them to fall apart. No. You know, Ms. Barbara, when, when I researched Makeup for Black Women, History of Makeup for Black Women, the only other person that I could find that came up was an Anthony Overton, who was an African-American man who, in 1898, in Kansas, provided a powder. It was a high brown face powder. And he, right. do you know of this man in this back in that day? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. But you know, there wasn't no, but there was also uh, several others. You know, that Lena Horne once um, mm. had a, um, she, uh, someone put together, but it was never in the stores and it never, you know. So it you never got it. Got. And then that, there, there was another, um, tell me, what was the other black company years and years ago? They were never in the stores. You know, they had, product or they made was it Parsner or something there was but I'm the first one I'm the first one to put makeup in the major department stores to really develop the makeup and put it in the department stores for the woman of color and as I said then I expand my line after two years to all nationalities I sell everybody now you made it accessible but, to the to the everyday person on the street yeah well you see you know you know one of the things that that, that makes me feel so good is this I get phone calls from makeup artists. I just got one on Sunday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. She said, Miss Walden, I had to call you because I saw an old TV show. You know, I was on all of those television shows, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the country because I had a a program where, you know, we say, beautify the people, you Mm -hmm. know, where where, um, Mrs. Um, Lyndon Johnson, her program was beautify America. Mine was beautify the people. And, you know, I I traveled all over the country with 10 makeup artists, you know, the congressional Record, you know, I uh, they honored me, and I was honored all over the country by beautifying the people. I wanted to beautify our black women, yes. but I also wanted to beautify all women, you know. And I get letters and phone calls and and thank yous from all different nationalities. Uh, I have a client in, uh, that lives in Palm Springs. Never in her life, she said, if she looks so gorgeous, and, and she's now in her 80s. She's been a Barbara Walden uh, client, and she's, you know, she's non-black. Um, we sold May Company, it was then May Company, in Laura Canyon, and my makeup artist made her up, and she bought Barbara Walden some 30-some years ago. You couldn't put anything else on her but Barbara Walden. And she calls me up on the phone, and she says, oh, please don't ever, don't ever stop. Keep on making it as long as I live because I don't know what I would do without it. So, you know, we just, I just reach out because when I, I see the person yes. and my mother yes. had told me when I made that, when I was doing the cosmetic, she was very upset. She, cause I would go to the schools and, you know, I would, and there would be white, white girls in the classes and, you know, and I couldn't talk to them about what to do with makeup. And so I would, would discuss it with my mother and she said, Barbara, that's prejudice in reverse. Mm. 
I don't want you doing that. She says, you've got to do something for everybody. Mm. That's how you were raised. And that was my really reason for going for her and Van Veneri from, 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 uh, from I Magnus here, who encouraged me, was to go back and to make makeup for everybody. And it made me so happy when I could develop the line of cosmetics for every single nationality, every color of the skin. There isn't a single woman that we cannot make up. You know, when a woman is really black and her skin is so black it's blue, she yeah. is the most gorgeous woman in the world. We had a makeup artist who passed away. Her skin was like that. When Eileen would walk into a room, the whole room turned to look at her because she was jet black and gorgeous. And that makeup made her, she was fantastic. So you see, we can do every, there's not one person that we cannot, we cannot make up. And that was my whole idea of being able to do that, that I could work with every single person that I didn't have to say, I can't do you, like when the school, when I had to do that. So that's the thing that made me who I am and make me feel the way I feel. And when I go down to the mission and we had those Mother's Day makeovers, you know, we had every different person down there on that skid row that we could do and they would be so thrilled so that's that those are the things that make you so happy and you know um right now i'm very involved with the church i belong to it it's in venice it is called the bible tabernacle it's a church for the homeless um i'm very involved with my church uh, i'm very involved with homelessness yes. because i feel that in this country we should not have to have little children eating out of uh, trash cans. We should not have to have people sleeping on the sidewalk. And, you know, that is the thing that just tears me apart right now. Me, me to, too. To, yes. to get something done. Ms. Barber, when, when I met you, uh, I it was alignment, being at the right place at the right time. I'm from New Orleans. I came out to Los Angeles about four and a half years ago. And I still divide my time between both cities. And it was on my heart to do something of meaning for Thanksgiving because the homeless population in Los Angeles has broken my heart. I've never seen anything like it coming from New Orleans. And just researching on the computer, I found the Fred Jordan mission and I knew it. That is what I'm doing on Thanksgiving beyond any social plan, which I didn't have at the time. And when I went that morning and we were all standing in the streets, I didn't know what to expect being it was my first year as a volunteer. And I saw you and you just had an energy and presence. And and someone said, you're 88 years old. And at that moment, like my back started to hurt. I wanted to sit at one of the chairs and I noticed, well, you're not sitting down. I'm not going to sit down. You know, like I'm 47. What, you know, stand your ass up, Lisa, is, is my self-talk. And I approached you to start talking and just had no idea of what you've done to commit your life to to being a trailblazer for black women oh. in so many ways and for all humans with your work yeah. with the homeless homeless population, having a scholarship for a high school student to be able to go to college. Yeah. You've just been of such yeah. service, and I'm so honored to be speaking with you and know you. Well, that's so very nice of you. I'm honored for you to, you know, to even um, want me to be on your show and for you to uh, to go on my website and, and do all this background on me. You've done a fantastic job on me. I said, you know more about me than I know about my own company. And you know, Tammy, who's my, P, who's my PR person, is sitting here. And Tammy said, I couldn't do it any better than what she's done. Thank I couldn't you. do it any better. Well, You've done a fantastic job, and we want to stay in touch with you because I love uh, it. We, you know, 
we want our program that we're doing, you know, with our youngsters now that's coming up and with our seniors, you know, because we want, we need to work with our future men and women of tomorrow, you know, yes. and you know, it breaks my heart to see how these little young girls go to school looking today. So unkept, you know, and, um, and the way they, you know, I want to get them back in caring about their parents. Yes. You know, you see, you see, I have a strong feeling when you look good, you feel good. Absolutely. And you go out and you do good things. And see, that's what I want to see them. I want to see them do. I want them to look good. I want them to care about themselves. Um, you know, don't don't go around looking like they just rolled out of bed and, you know, that. I was a keynote speaker, the first and only woman at that time and a black woman at UCLA mm. for the graduation class. They had never had a female and, they, and a black woman, when I was invited to do it. Well, the black business, and this was for the graduation class, black and white, at UCLA. And I'll never forget, um, when I got, when my PR girl told me that we were going to be doing this, and I said, oh, well, what am I going to say? You know, because um, uh, she said, just be yourself. Yes. Just be, be yes. you. Be you, Barbara. You know, just be you. So, um I noticed, you know, that, you know, when they, at that time, you know, the movement was coming, you know, um, the women movement was coming, you know, and Gloria Steinem, and in fact, Gloria Steinem had invited me to lunch when I opened my line in Bloomingdale. She invited me to go to this very beautiful French lunch for luncheon. So I met her there, and she tried, wanted me to become a part of the movement. Mm. And so I said to her, I said, look, Gloria, I want to tell you something. I'm all for the women movement. I'm for equal pay. I'm for equal job opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'm for equal everything. And I will fight for it as long as I live. I said, but you know what? You don't have to look like a man and act like a man, uh, Gloria, to get all the equal rights that you have to get. Well, because she had said to me, well, from the way you look today, look like you, you must have spent at least hours on yourself getting yourself all dressed. You know what I said back to Gloria Stein? I didn't like the way she said that. Right. I said, well, the way you look like, you only spent 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting at a French restaurant yes. in New York, and she was with her another person. They were trying to get me to join the movement. She said, that's a bit hard blow. But we became friends, yes. and I didn't hold that against her. But I, in fact, um, Women Wear Daily did a full-page interview on me, and I spoke about, you know, I said, the black woman, the black woman has been liberated all of her life because when the black man couldn't get a job, the black woman had to go out and work and mm -hmm. take care of somebody's children in order to make the, you know, to bring food into the house. So she's always been liberated. Yes. So it's not, so right now she's not going to turn against the man. What she's going to do, she's going to work on doing it. I love it when I walk into a room, darling, and the man gets up. I went to uh, a buyer once. And he sat in the, in his, in, on his desk, in front of his desk. I stood in his door. And he didn't get up. Uh, and finally, he got up. Yes. He said, come on in. I don't know what to do. I said, I'm a, you know, I said, I'm a female. When a female walks into the door, you're supposed to stand up. I said, I don't give us a baby in diapers. If you can identify that she's a female, you stand up. Well, he just broke up. He just, he just grabbed me and hugged me because I speak my mind. I yes. let them know, you know. Oh, yes. I love it. I love being a woman.
And I don't, you don't have to look like a man to, um, or act like a man to get equal rights, equal pay, and equal. I'm all for equal rights, and I'm all for it. So those were the things that I have fought against, and I've spoken for. at the school, yes. and I've told these when I speak, and I say, you know, so at this graduation at UCLA, you know, all the women were there in and, 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 and blacks and suits, black pins, all dressed like men. And there I am there dressed like a feminine woman. So I said to my PR girl when we arrived for the cocktail hour, I said, I'm out of place. She said, no, you're not. Just be yourself. Yes. So when it was time to introduce me, I just put aside my speech and I said, you know, I am so grateful to be here, and it's an honor, and to, you know, to be here among all of these beautiful, beautiful women, along with these very handsome men. And I said, I want you to know, I felt out of place mm. the way I was I'm dressed. I said, but I don't feel out of place. I said, I feel right with you because I know that you women out there, the way you're dressed, you're going to feel the same way I feel, that you don't have to dress like a man to be accepted in a man's world. Darling, I got a strip. They all stood up. I believe you. The dean was sitting next to me. He was pulling me and saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> that is a true story. My PR girl, they just could not believe it. When I was finished, I spoke about dressing, and then I went into education. And I said, you know what? Always make sure that the man treats you with the greatest respect that you have. And I said, you can leave here and go out and compete in that man's world, and you don't have to change your identity to do it. Amen. And that's how I spoke. Amen, Ms. Barbara. Mm -hmm. I would love to stay in touch with you and Tammy and, and be a part of some of your volunteer opportunities with the kids and the seniors in the Los Angeles okay. area. So I'll I'll be in touch. Oh. I want to get you this show. And just thank you. Okay. Thank you for being who thank you me. are and your presence as a leader in our world. Okay. Thank you so much. And we're, we're going to keep in touch because I want you to be a part of our, what we're doing. Okay. I am looking forward to it, Ms. Barbara. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. You have a blessed day. You have a blessed okay. day as well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That concludes my show with Ms. Barbara Walden, founder of Walden Cosmetics, the first line of cosmetics for African-American women in department stores around the United States. And as you heard, she's a powerhouse of a representative for women's rights and us speaking our truth. With that, I'll leave you and join me next week for another guest. And I hope everyone has the most fantastic week. Bye-bye. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of all things therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy now and enjoy. 
want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life, then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.